0: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey, episode number 28. This is Andrew Dembski. Excited to have you here right now. And let me tell you if you are an inbound agency owner who's thinking about hiring a new member to your team anytime soon, then this is the episode for you. We are excited to welcome Matt Sunshine, managing partner of both Lead G2 and the Center for Sales Strategy, onto the podcast today. He dives into how they manage a remote team as a Platinum HubSpot partner. And how they've gone and built a process for hiring new talent. It is a great interview, and I'm looking forward to diving in. So, without further ado, here we go.
1: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray.
2: Matt,
0: tell us, how did you get to be in this position where you're a managing partner of two inbound-focused agencies?
2: Sure, thanks. Um, Yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. The Center for Sales Strategy is a 30-plus-year-old company and was in the business of sales performance. I mean, that's what we do at the Center for Sales Strategy. We're a sales performance type company. Uh, we work with um, we work with companies to help them to increase sales, to uh, find and retain better sales talent. We work with them on um, talent development. We work with them on management and uh, consulting and strategic thinking, everything having to do with the sales process. And one of the things that we uncovered along the way is that getting appointments, the early stage of, uh, of a sales process, getting appointments is the single hardest thing to happen these days in a sales organization. It is frustrating uh, it to, to, to no end. I mean, you have... You have high-paid, high-talented salespeople sitting there in, in, at their sales cubicle for hours simply pounding the phone with their long list. At the same time as that was going on, about a year prior, the Center for Sales Strategy started using inbound marketing to market itself, to attract new customers. And, and we were experiencing a whole lot of success doing that you know uh, implementing all of the inbound strategies and inbound tactics that you're supposed to that you're supposed to do and and to you know create this gigantic magnet to attract prospects to you and we were seeing real success at the center for sales strategy so you take that experience that we're having plus the fact that our clients and and our largest vertical um is our largest category of business where we have the most expertise for the Center for Sales Strategy has always been historically in the broadcast, in the media business. Radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, cable systems, outdoor, digital. Um, That's really for 25 of our 30 years, that was our number one vertical. And since then, um, we started using inbound to attract uh, just B2B Uh, uh, organizations, organizations that sell more of a business-to-business type and business-to-business type environment. And that's been a a big growth area for us. While media still remains our vertical, our number one vertical, we're really seeing the expansion into these other areas. And in large part, that's because of um, what we've done with inbound. So you got the Center for Sales Strategy doing everything that it's doing. All of a sudden we 're seeing this need from our clients of boy, they could really need help. They could really use help um, getting leads and setting appointments and doing all that. We said, what if we what if we started an agency ourselves and what if we started helping our clients instead of just telling them what to do? What if we actually started helping them do what they need to do? What if we created an agency that would allow them to market and attract Prospects, and so we did. And in two thousand twelve, we launched um, our inbound marketing um, division, uh, which then we named Lead G two, and uh, it's been off to the races since then. Uh, we have a, a growing agency. Uh, you know, we're obviously our platinum partner of uh, HubSpot, and we're we're thrilled about that. We we use uh, our relationship with HubSpot um, we think to our, to our to the full potential. Uh, and I and I think that's been a real key to our success as well.
0: That's awesome. I love how you guys kind of birthed it out of necessity, and then that just happened to line up with what your clients needed at that time. Do you see between the two agencies now? Do you see the customer lifecycle spanning both scopes of services?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, um, and it, it did rise from need. You know, it's an, it's what's what's really kind of cool is that at our core. We're a sales performance company. I mean, that's really what we're all about is driving sales, and so we use inbound marketing as a as part of that process to help us drive sales. And a lot of the a lot of the customers that that we've taken on recently, one of their frustrations is the company that they were using um, was more about design and more about um, more about aesthetics and uh than they were about driving sales. And so that that really helps us. Okay. Um, I also do think to answer your question specifically, we are starting to see more and more of our Center for Sales Strategy clients who have been with us six, seven, eight, ten years all of a sudden say you know what we could really use some help with lead generation lead generation is a is a important and currently inefficient part of our sales process yeah let us can you have lead g2 help us with that
0: yeah okay that's got to be a nice situation to be in cuz that's you're really doing a good job of increasing the revenue per customer at that point
2: yes Awesome. And we want it to work for them. I mean, it has to work. We have to get our customers on ROI. We work on it in a business model that is all about retaining customers year in and year out. So we have to get those results for them.
0: That's awesome. Have, what has the process been like now that you're doing inbound and you're getting more and more business in the B2B space? And that's shifting from what you traditionally were offering. Have you guys had to um, bring on any new talent, uh, hone any processes? What has that industry shift how has that impacted your business?
2: Um, so we've hired, we've hired several new people um, to the inbound team, inbound marketing consultants, inbound marketing um, uh, business developers, inbound marketing strategists um so you know uh, someone to uh, someone just to work our blog you know and be our blog manager and content expert in, internally so yeah those are all positions that did not exist uh five years ago four years ago that's for sure
0: okay and did the b2b niche impact that at all or is this just an overall we've got more work so we need to grow the team in order to service that work
2: so B two B has always been the focus um, from the get go, and, and I don't know if that'll stay the focus forever um, with regard to um, with regard to our inbound practice. Um, with regard to the Center for Sales Strategy, what we do best is help B2B or organizations that, that live in a B2B environment. I mean, that's our bread and butter. That's what we do really, really well. Or or serve in the nonprofit arena. I do see us having to add people, though, as we continue to grow Lead G2. Um I think it's important that, that you manage uh, workflow, that you don't burn people out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our folks, we hire highly talented uh, people and they tend to do more than what is ever in any contract, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's, the, you know, I know we all talk about scope creep. But we really have scope creep. We we work on pulling back on scope creep. But but we just get passionate about what we're doing. So we try to manage that time uh, really well. But one thing I'm committed to is not burning people out. And so as we continue to grow our business, we'll grow. And, and I monitor that every single month, the amount of work that we're doing, amount of people that we have. Do we need to add more people?
0: Okay. That's great. Would you mind sharing a recent success story that you guys have experienced, either – a success at the agency through the sales process, or a specific client who you've been able to walk through, implement inbound, and the success that they've seen.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I'll tell you this one. This one took a, took a while. It's interesting to me when you put yourself out there and, and you do um, and you do it a lot. Sometimes the people that you've known for a long time all of a sudden present themselves as your newest clients, and that's part of the sales process. But we just recently brought on a brand-new client, and this is a client uh, that I've actually known. I've known the people there for years, um, uh, probably 10-plus years. And they've always talked about doing business with the Center for Sales Strategy or you know, they'd they show a little bit of interest in um in inbound uh, and what we're doing with inbound and i would reach out to them from time to time but you know it was like one of those where they weren't showing enough interest to really push push the process and you know i really wanted them to want to i mean i always have said i could probably talk anybody into doing inbound but is that really the best thing yeah if they're not going to Do it right if they're not going to really participate, and then you have a short-lived client. So I really want them to believe in it. So recently, I published a book, getting prospects to raise their hand, and um, the book really wasn't, you know, for um, I I never had aspirations of oh, this is going to become a bestseller or anything like that. It wasn't really for that. It was more about marketing and it was more about spreading the word and teaching people how we do business. Well, this client now they're a client, but at the time this prospect. Um, they bought a copy for everyone in their building. Um, wow. And, and unbeknownst to me, they bought a copy of every, everyone in their building. And I saw that once someone there had downloaded a sample chapter. And so I reached out to them and I said, Hey, did, uh, hope you enjoyed the sample chapter. Please let me know if there's ever a time I, you want to get on the phone. I can explain anything, you know, real simple. Yeah. And they called up and said, Hey, just want to let you know. The whole team read your book. We're (laughs) we're in. Uh, We need to do this. And I said I said fantastic. And you know I so after after ten plus years of nothing, the wholesale took got done in thirty days after that after that one contact. That's Um, kind of cool, right? That's the way it's supposed to work. So when it does, it's the one you want to you want to crow about a little bit. Yeah, that's really cool. So.
0: What did the process look like for you to publish a book? I mean you're a managing partner of two growing businesses right now. How do you have time to write books
2: it was the most it was the most incredible experience of my entire life. I think I had the book in my head okay uh, and, and so it took me about six months to do um, and I started with an outline. I kind of knew the direction I wanted to go, so I started with an outline and it ended up being i think uh, fourteen or fifteen chapters and you know you just I just did one chapter at a time and it was, it was, it was fantastic. I'll tell you one of the things that writing a book allowed me to do is to, um, is to be more succinct okay. because in, in an interview like this or in a, in a, in a stand up conversation or presenting to a room full of people, you can play off the room. You can, you can tell stories and you can wander around, uh, in, in your conversation when you write a book. You have to be succinct because you're not there one-on-one with the person. And so it's a it's a great fall back um, for me now to have that body of work in writing that I can present to someone. I'll also tell you it allows us to vet out the in the sales process pretty early on. Someone's a little questionable. We can say, here, here's a copy of the book. Read it. If you agree with what we're saying, let's do business together. I see. But if you don't, then we're probably not the right agency for you.
0: That's awesome. It's great to have that ability to just hack out the people who are just kind of wasting your time enough to see is there an opportunity here or something like that. Make them do the homework. I like
2: that. Yeah, well, because we have the you know the lead G two, which is inbound agency, which can help you to get found and can help you to use lead intelligence and move people you know into your funnel. We also have a a tried and true sales process in how selling, which is what the Center for Sales Strategy teaches, um, that can help clients once they get those leads to make sales, nice. which which is really what our clients hire us for. They don't hire us because they want to do inbound marketing. They hire us because they want to see an increase in their sales.
0: Okay. That's really neat. From a process perspective, you guys are unique that you are a HubSpot platinum partner, but you're also a completely remote team. Would you mind sharing with folks, how do you manage a team that's not all in one spot? What tools processes do you have in place as a manager to pull that off?
2: Sure. So, um, we are completely virtual. Um, we've always been completely virtual. Um, the Center for Sales Strategy, again, started in 1983, so it's a 32-year-old company. It is a completely virtual company. So we were virtual before virtual was cool, right? Before, <laughs> before internet, <laughs> before mobile phones, <laughs> really made it tough. Um, So yeah, so I guess from that standpoint, it's kind of just something that we've always done. One of the reasons why we like being virtual is because we can then go out and select, we feel, extremely talented people to work for our company because we're not limited to the city that we live in. Yeah, we can just go find the perfect person for our job for the job at hand. The other thing is by having people in every time zone, we get to serve our clients all the time. It really extends our hours, which is, which is awesome. Um, a few, a few tools that we use, we use toggle to track our time Okay, always. And we don't bill by the hour. Um, but I like to look at it because then I can know if we're getting burned out because one of the dangers of working from a remote Office is that you never leave your office. Yeah. Right. Um, two, we use HipChat. Okay. And uh, we have all sorts of different conversations and rooms going on, and where we have fun in HipChat, but we also get work done in HipChat. Um, and we also use Basecamp. Okay. Uh, every single project that we're working on comes through Basecamp, and and I don't think that we could survive well without using all three of those, or at least a, a, a piece of software that does what those three: time management, instant messaging, and uh, project management.
0: That's awesome. This spins out like five different follow-up questions I want to dig into. Uh, On the time management side, you have your team track the time, but you're not billing. What are you looking for when you go back at the end of the month to analyze that? What sort of trends are are popping out and catching your eye as you review those timesheets?
2: Well, what I'm looking – I know when we – I know that when we sold something to someone, I know what we estimated would be the amount of time that we were going to have to spend to do what we had to do. Um, And so I I can look and say, okay, if this was supposed to be a a 20-hour-a-month engagement, just using that as an example, and I see that we're spending 40 hours a month on it, that's a red flag. Conversely, if I see that we're spending five hours a month on it that's a red flag too yeah i want if i see that it's a 20 hour a month assignment and we're spending anywhere from you know 18 to 22 plus or minus 10 percent. i think that's that's exactly right we we have it we've estimated it the right way we're doing the right work for the client and even if it were to jump one month and there was a good explanation of oh They had a crisis or they had a situation and we really jumped in and it's not going to be that way every single month. It was just the right thing to do. That's okay too. But at least gives me the ability to to know what's going on. The other thing is it helps me to determine staffing needs. uh, When's the right time to hire the next person?
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you break it? Do you break it down? So your team's only tracking time for client projects or are they doing things for internal work as well?
2: No, if, they, if they're doing significant internal work, I would have them track that too.
0: Okay, awesome. And then from when, you're, when you post a new position, you say you can go find the best employee out there. What does your process look like for hiring an employee that is not only good at the job, but also is going to be a good fit for the team?
2: Yeah, so it's not easy to get a job working for us. Uh, and we're really, really proud of that. Um, we believe in, you know... Losing sleep before you make the hire, not after you make the hire. Okay, and and maybe that's because um, we're a, a remote uh, virtual company, or maybe you know the the found one of the uh, principles of the Center for Sales Strategy is turning talent into performance. So when we go through it, we have a um, we we have specific talents that we're looking for depending on the job that we're hiring for. And then we'll use a um, best-in-class uh, sales talent interview, or a some sort of a um, talent interview that that we that we've created with the help of a of a partner um, that we've created that is um, statistically valid. Holds, I mean, it is it is rock solid, and we'll use that interview to help us screen out um, the people that aren't going to be a good fit from a talent perspective and and, and screen in the people that will be a good fit from a talent perspective. Then we'll take them through some fit interviews to make sure culturally they're going to fit in with our organization. One thing is that we do work remote and, and not, that's not for everybody. Yeah, um, Not everyone can do that. So we want to make sure that they can do that. Plus, we want to see examples of quality of their work. Um, our, our business has been fortunate enough to, have, to retain you know, at the Center for Sales Strategy over 90% of its clients year in and year out. So we like that sort of um, do whatever you can to help the customer win type of mentality. Um, so they have to have a talent fit and a um, cultural fit. And we search far and wide. We also believe in a process called having a talent bank. So, like right now, I don't have an actual opening for an inbound marketing consultant, but I expect to sometime in the next oh three to six months. I also don't have a a, an opening for a for a salesperson for our organization, but I expect to within the next three to six months. And I'm interviewing constantly right now for both of those positions, even though I don't have an opening.
0: Okay, and how are you guys going out and finding the right applicants?
2: Yeah. So I use um, a process that we call the nominator process and the nominator process is, you know, I see so many ads saying we're looking for, or would you like to work here? You know, or make six figures. And I just don't, I think I'm not really looking for people that are looking for a job. Yeah. Um, So we use a nominator process starts. The questions always start off. Who do you know that? Um, who do you know that always delivers amazing results for their customers? Who do you know that loves, um, who, who works independently and he actually gets, um, energized by having lots of plates spinning? And I, and I'll put those type of messages, those sort of nominator, um, messages out on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'll also send out emails to, um, my, my network. And I'll do that, you know, every once a month, once every six weeks. And sure enough, I'll get every single time I do it, I'll get five to 15 names of of people that'll say, hey, you know who you should talk to? So and so she's currently working here, but she's the exact person that you're looking for. And then it allows me the opportunity to call that person and say, hey, your your name was given to me as someone who you know is passionate about getting results for customers actually gets energized the more plates you have spinning and feels you know you know is always it's kind of a work a love it not a workaholic yeah is, is that really you and they'll say yeah so so your name was given to me as someone who I might want to talk to I don't have an opening right now but I might in the next 6 months to a year do you want to have a conversation
0: okay So you're building a list of these people so that when your position is open and you do have that need, you can kind of act fast through this talent fit process.
2: Yeah, it's called a talent bank. And, and, you know, all of our clients uh, use a talent bank. And I'll tell you, as a manager that used a talent bank for 15 plus years, it was awesome. Never have an open desk. I mean, you have an open desk, you know, maybe for two weeks or or tops, you know, three weeks and you'd fill someone rather than letting it sit there for six months.
0: Yeah, that's really smart. And you're making sure that you've got the right people filling those seats. I love that idea.
2: Yeah, when you're interviewing, it allows you to select the best rather than just find someone who can get in here and do the job.
0: I like that. That's select the best. That's perfect because if all you're doing is kind of trolling out there for who is unemployed at the moment, you're really limiting your field.
2: Well, yeah, and and when you have – so when, when you're trolling for who's looking at the exact same time that you have an open seat, this saying goes that bad breath is better than no breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not really a good strategy, and I don't want my customers to have to deal with that. Yeah. So pay a little bit more attention to that.
0: Great. So the structure here sounds like when you do have someone in the talent bank and you have an open position, you're going to walk them through a talent interview first. And you said you worked with a partner to build that out. Yes. Is this something that you do once and you kind of define it for each position in the organization? Or is this something that with each opening, you guys are refining and creating sort of a new outline for you know, the talent interview?
2: No. So the talent interview is static. In fact, we're, we're in the process of building and, and I'll make this available to anyone that is listening to this. And Andrew, you can share this with anyone you want. We're in the middle, middle, middle of building a new benchmark, a new, um, a new interview for 2016, um, and that will include people that are that do inbound um inbound sales like you know work for agencies going out and getting getting new clients nice um that interview once it's built is built it does not change what you're looking for might change okay and so this interview might come back that there are eight individual talents um that a successful salesperson has um And then you can decide as the agency owner, okay, I need someone that has all those talents for sure, but they really need to have these four at a high level. Yeah. Right. And then that might change based on your position. In fact, that does change based on your position on what you're looking for.
0: Okay. And then phase two into the fit section. How did you guys as an agency figure out what, what, what would define a good fit on the team?
2: How did we figure it out
0: like a cultural was it a cultural code? did you guys like get together and work this out, or is it just kind of evolved yeah. through time?
2: No, it's a cultural code that's right. We have what we call um, uh, a reason for being okay um, which would be similar to a cultural code and our and our you know and our reason for being is to turn talent into performance um. And so we look for people that that want to thrive that way. We also have three guiding principles. And those three principles are integrity, um, quality, and responsiveness. And, uh, you know, so those three things we look for, and there's all sorts of ways to see those things pop up through an interview. But but we want integrity, quality, and responsiveness are our, our, our three standards that we all, every single person in our organization, regardless of your job title. And and we have, between Lead G2 and um, the Center for Sales Strategy, we have 35, um, 35 folks working for us. Nice. Um, Every single person lives and breathes those three things.
0: Okay, that's great. Um, shifting gears a little bit, we want to dig into a struggle. Or, what ha- Have there been any events in the past three to six months that you guys have gone through that have stretched you or pushed you at, to a point where you've looked back and made some sort of a change in the organization, some sort of improvement as a result of that struggle?
2: Um, I, I think there's been... Two things um, that I can point to. One is underpricing. Okay. Um, you know, we get into this, and and you think that you have it all figured out, and you go out there with a model, and um, you know, you hear you hear from your prospects, "Oh, I can't afford that, and i I'll I'll, I'll produce my own content." Um, <laughs> famous last words. Famous last words. Right? I'll produce. I'd like to save some money and so I'll produce all of my content and you guys just do everything else and in the beginning we said okay. Yeah. And 100% of those clients are no longer clients of <laughs> We are 100 we have a 100% uh um uh, success rate of of not holding on to clients to say that they're going to produce all of their own content. Um, and I believed it at first. I, yeah. I did. I went into it thinking, great, you'll produce, we produce our own content. So yeah, you'll produce your content. I get that. Um, so we had to change that. Um, that was a very big cause of frustration. We don't like turnover. Um, can't stand turnover. It's a, it makes you feel bad when that happens, yeah. um, that they're not getting the results, but they also said that they were gonna produce two blog two, you know, blog articles a week and you're six weeks into your so you're six weeks up, you're looking down and they haven't produced one piece. And even though every week on your weekly call with them you're saying, Hey, remember you said you were gonna produce so now we don't do any engagement with anybody unless they are they unless we provide the content. Now they can supplement and we love it when they supplement because then it's their voice coming through and, and we like that. Um but but we 're not going to engage with anyone unless we can produce uh, content for them okay uh, and then the second thing is you know at different points over the last three and a half years we 've gotten aggressive and wanted to expand maybe a little faster um, than than we should have and we 've had to make adjustments with that it 's always that balance of you know when do you bring on that next person and are you going to have the um, business to to hold on to that person yeah and so um We've become very smart at using um, freelancers when we have to, okay. Um, but going back and using the same freelancers time and time and again, it works great for them. It works great for us.
0: Okay. So on the underpricing side of it, have you guys discovered any processes as you've learned that they can't make the content themselves? You need to do it yourself. How are you get extracting that subject matter expertise? Is it from members of the organization or are you guys going out and doing research externally to create that kind of quality content?
2: Both. Yeah, absolutely both. Um, and I think you have to. Um, you know, we, we make a big deal about the inbound planning day. Okay. Um, we, we spend a lot of time, um, working with them on target persona. Uh, we don't, we don't let them just tell us what their target persona is. We need to, uh, we it out, we dive into it. We interview their customer base. We interview their current, um, their current best clients. We interview their current salespeople to see who they're getting the most, most from. Um, so yeah, we do a lot of research and, um, we think that's the best way to do it.
0: I love it. It's a very in-depth and involved process, but I'm sure you're creating a better end product at the end of this, at the end of this
2: process. It's all about helping them to drive sales. We we had a team meeting recently and I said nobody wakes up in the middle of the night and says, you know what, I wish I was doing inbound. <laughs> right. They what they say is I wish I had more sales. Yeah. Or I wish my salespeople were going on more appointments. Or, you know, I wish that I wasn't behind budget for this quarter. I mean, that's what that's what CEOs and business leaders are, are, are losing sleep over. They're not losing sleep over over you know, how many inbound, you know, are, are they participating in inbound or not? What they want is sales. And so we see utilizing inbound marketing strategies and tactics and, you know, lead intelligence to to help the sales process and, and ultimately drive sales performance.
0: Okay, nice. When you're diving in and you're doing some interviews with salespeople and you're spending time on the phone with customers and you're building that inbound plan – How long does that onboarding process typically take with a new client?
2: We're working as hard as we can to make it not take as long as it does.
0: (laughs)
1: Translate. Uh,
2: (laughs) If I could get it down to 30 days, that would be – that's my goal is I would love for us to onboard someone and have them up and running in 30 days. But a lot of times we're creating – they don't have a – they don't have a, um, a functional B2B website um, geared at reaching their clients. Especially, you've got to remember that a lot of our clients are radio stations and TV stations. And they have websites that are focused on their listeners yeah. and their viewers. They don't have one that is speaking to the businesses that advertise and use them for a marketing vehicle.
0: Yeah, that's got to add a completely different layer of tra- of uh, complexity on top of it.
2: So it, it takes some time. So we're working. We've added some process in, in place. We've assigned somebody on our team the the task of, okay, you're going to be the person that works with our newest clients to helping them build their target persona. So we've streamlined building target persona that used to take us about a month to we can get that done now in a couple of weeks because okay. of, of some systems. And we're using SurveyMonkey. Um, to do some querying, we're doing phone interviews with people. Um, that process is going a lot faster, so that was one way that we were able to speed it up. Is really getting a lockdown system for um, target persona. The other thing is we're now scheduling our, to to build our SLA um, between sales and marketing we schedule that for about um, the eighth week in, of engagement with somebody. About two months in is when we're doing that because we we used to do it too early in the process and then we had to, and that took time. Okay. And then we just had to repeat it at about the two-month period anyway because it didn't make sense to do it that early.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's great. So from the persona perspective, you assign ownership, you clarify on the team whose role is that, and then you define a system and a repeatable process with
2: it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we have a, we know it's a specific result that we're going to be able to go back to the client and say, okay, here is a summary of your target persona. And we've, we've, um, we've systemized that in in such a way that we can move quickly and efficiently.
0: That sounds awesome. Well, I hope you guys get to that 30 day mark soon. Sounds (laughs) Sounds great.
2: (laughs) As soon as I do, I'll call you. you.
0: (laughs) We'll do it. We'll have a little party over (laughs) here. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for digging into that onboarding process. I know that folks that are listening, uh, two big pains that they have is how do we grow our team smart and how do we onboard our clients well? And it sounds like you guys are honing that process, continuing to learn as you move forward. But kudos to you for putting some systems in place to streamline that process.
2: Yeah, I think we got the target persona part of it down. Uh, I'm I'm real proud of the work that we're doing, and that's a new thing for us. Six months ago, I wouldn't I would not have said that, but over the last six months, we've made major major strides in really being able to develop a, a, just a phenomenal product when it comes to target persona, which has helped us be able to get blog content rolling faster, premium content rolling faster, because now we know. Who we're writing to. Now we know who we're going after.
0: Amen. I think a lot of this goes back to the point you made about authoring a book, how it how it clarifies what you're trying to say. I think when you document and you hone a process like this, it clarifies the product offering a lot as well.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think in the beginning, everyone at least for me and the people I spoke to in the beginning, you know, three and a half years ago, it was kind of like um, I almost felt like I was Ricochet Rabbit, just responding to everything that anyone needed. Um, and, and then I, I realized quickly that for me to grow an agency, for, for me to grow from zero clients and no and nothing out in the inbound world to to platinum partner that I was gonna have to put put in a system. I was gonna have to do this in such a way that it, it's a repeatable, predictable outcomes and that's what that's what we've tried to do
0: awesome now shifting gears a little bit i want to wrap up the conversation here around you personally and we like to dive in and figure out what does a typical morning look like for you when you're getting up and you're going to lead these two organizations do you have any uh routines or rituals that you do to prepare yourself each day
2: um well i think it probably starts before i go to bed at night um So sometime around, you know, 11 o'clock at night, I spend, um, I spend a few minutes kind of organizing my day for the next day, looking at my calendar, thinking about what has to get done, putting priorities into place. Um, and, and that's been really helpful. The other part of my business is that I'm constantly traveling. Um, I'm on the road two to three days a week. And so, um. My morning, my morning ritual, you know, is it starts at eleven o'clock at night, and then usually I try to work, uh, responding to emails, getting out correspondence. Because if I'm going to be with a client from eight to five, I've learned that from like seven to eight in the morning is my time to read the news, yeah. uh, see what's going on in the business world, see what's going. I set up Google Alerts for every single category and vertical that any one of my clients are in so that I know what's going on in their business. Cause I think that's really important. If I'm going to help them grow their business, I need to know about their business. So I try to read all that. And if I see anything of interest, I reach out to people and, um, you know, I really do that type of work first thing in the morning. And then I love to write. And so I try to find time to write either before I go to bed at night or in the morning.
0: Okay. Writing blogs, writing journaling. Are you working on a novel you're not telling us about?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Can't tell you. (laughs) Um, no, two things I like to, um, not journaling either blogs or, um, or ideas. I, I have a lot of ideas on how to improve business and how to improve really other people's businesses. And so I, I tend to, I write those things out and I try to add as I try to go back to them and keep adding to them and adding to them until I get to the point where I'm like, okay, this really has some merit or I, or I talk myself out of it and go, you know what, this yeah. is a bad idea. I'm glad I thought it through, throw it away.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So processing things through. I like yes, that.
2: for sure. Fair and enough. I do that all, you know, before my day gets going.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on here and just opening up, sharing with us a little bit about your internal processes around your story as well. Uh, if folks are listening and they want to reach out and get in contact with you, what are one or two ways that they can do so?
2: So Matt Sunshine at the center or csscenter.com. com. Matt Sunshine at CSScenter.com or at Matt Sunshine on Twitter.
0: Okay. Awesome. We'll throw those in the show notes, guys. Matt, thank you again for coming on and sharing all your expertise.
2: Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it.
0: This
1: episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com/slash journey. Again, that's doinbound all one word.com forward slash journey.
3: Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. This is Gray McKenzie jumping on with Andrew to recap his conversation with Matt Sunshine. Andrew, one of the things that stuck out to me again was here's an example of a company who has used inbound marketing on themselves before taking it to clients. And in this case it sounds like it wasn't even um, we're going to test this out and it's, it's not really a pilot program. It was, hey, here's what we need to do for ourselves. And then the uh, this really works. We need to take this to our clients as well. What did you think about uh, Matt's kind of story of how they got going with Inbound?
0: I loved having a guest on who has been in the business for 30 years, had a proven business in place, the Center for Sales Strategy, was obviously humming uh, along before Lead G2 came out as an inbound agency. And so his perspective on just how do we how do we delight clients, I mean, 90% client retention over 30 years is pretty awesome. That got me fired up about this, and just it brings a, a cool uh, lens into the inbound agency space. Um, so that that got me. Just how do you test yourself and then roll things out to your clients versus testing on your clients and then trying to learn from that? I thought that was a cool takeaway here. Like identify a market need and practice it on yourself. And you know, as an agency, they were around for a long time. They had something proven in place. But they saw that the market was changing. They saw that they needed to do something different, and they went out and put the pieces in place to do it differently. And it seems
3: like it's working for them. Sure, yeah, this, and it, he he definitely made it clear the amount of time and investment that they spend uh, working with their clients does have a big impact on their um, on their retention rates. And a couple of the struggles that that have gone along with that that Matt brought out was the onboarding period of time um, is still taking longer than they'd like it to. Scope creep is still an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, even as a platinum partner with HubSpot and a business that's been around for 30 years, this is still a struggle. They're still on that journey to figure out how do we not. He also brought up underpricing. So, how do we not, you know, you combine underpricing plus scope creep um, plus drawn out onboarding processes. And obviously, they're making it work, But, um, but, you know, that can be a crippling combination. Uh, to a business and so it's going it, to – it is really a constant journey uh, to figure out how do we do these things better. Um, Andrew, one of the things that um, that he brought out that is a, a major strength that they have was the idea of the talent bank and using nominator messages is how he referred to them for recruiting. Uh, any thoughts on that concept and how – um, any takeaways from that?
0: Yeah, I really liked it. I love how he said that like, when they're not looking for someone who's currently unemployed, they're looking for people who are already in jobs. That's where the best talents going to be. The best talents going to be employed currently. And so when you do have an opening, you don't want to have that opening for months on end. You want to have a, you know, a list of people there who've already expressed interest. And I I really like the approach. I think it it helps them get a higher caliber of employee on the team and then kind of rolling into the interview process. I like how they've got a defined set process for how they attract people to the team how they've got a talent interview, how they've got like a fit interview to see how are they going to fit onto the team, how do they mesh with the culture because as a remote team, you know, you need to have the right type of person on the team if they're really going to be, you know, a good fit there. So, I thought that was a great tactic. I think talent is something that we haven't really we haven't really seen a lot of competition around talent in the agency space. I think we're going to see it more and more. I was just on inbound.org yesterday and I read a post that there's you know, a lady was asking about sniping different. Uh, have other agencies try to snipe any of your team members? And I think you're just going to see more and more of that as time goes on, as the the space matures. Obviously, there's going to be a uh, a demand on top talent. Um, so you're either going to have more agencies like Matt who are reaching out proactively and trying to draw people in, or you're going to have more agencies um, like Patrick Biscone where they're they're having big. Uh, internship programs, bringing folks in, teaching them the ropes and doing that sort of a thing. I think there's kind of two different strategies there for growing your agency team.
3: Yeah, I think it's inevitable the competition continuing to increase and we're starting to see that now. There have been a number of those conversations that have come up just in the last couple of months like that one you mentioned on inbound.org where folks have had other agencies reaching out um, to some of their employees. And um, I think that it's the truth is that, and Ryan uh, Ryan Herman and I have talked about before on on another podcast that we have, Inbound Sales Journey, we've talked about how it's very rare to find a great salesperson who's not currently employed. Because if yeah. you're a good salesperson, uh, not only do you have a job because people need good, sales, good salespeople, but you've probably been able to sell it yourself effectively. Um, so unless it's kind of a willful unemployment, you probably have a job somewhere. Um, so there's really no way around that if you want the best talent. Uh, looking through folks who don't have a position right now. Obviously, this isn't to say that there's nobody out there who should be employed who is currently unemployed. Like there are situations that come up all the time, um, and goals for personal reasons or whatever else. Um, those things happen. But I'd say that probably the the majority, the overwhelming majority of the time, the good folks already have um, have a position, or they're coming out of school. And so I, I think you're right on with those. Um, avenues where things are going to go. And th- there are It's – it's been interesting to watch some of these conversations and engage in some of the conversations from agency owners right now who see this and some throw up their hands and get really offended that that would happen mm-hmm. and some understand this is a fact of life and this is the way that that business works and so – uh, we've talked a lot about culture on this podcast before but the importance of building a culture where people want to be um, – because what's going to happen, whether it's right or wrong, that's kind of a – it's a discussion to be had but it's um, in a lot of ways uh, irrelevant because it's going to happen. And so with the folks who are on our team, there are going to be other agencies, other companies who reach out to them at some point and say like, hey, would you want to make more money here or – uh, you know there will be things that they throw at them, and so what's the culture that we 're building and um and how are we making sure that we have folks on the team who this really is the best fit for? I think that's important for you to think about in your agency right now and for all of us to understand that uh you know that we need to be building there's just like the sales process changed, and all the information didn't no longer just resides with the salesperson the employment uh space the same thing is happening. There, and so, as an owner or an employer, you no longer have all the information you can't say this is the best that you can have it. uh your people are going to be aware of the other offers that are out there and the um the benefits in other places, so I think it it's just important to make sure that you've got the right people on the bus and that they know they're the right people and that they're valued and that they're a part of the team and that's uh that's something that we're working on, and that's something that your agency should be working on as well,
0: yeah, I think it's a great point, lastly, great. Uh, one of the points that Matt said about the book that he wrote was that it really brought a lot of clarity to what the message he was trying to convey. What did you think when you heard him say that?
3: True is what I thought, because anytime you write, if you actually spend time in, in thoughtful writing and it's not just a brain dump, you know that this happens, that this clarifies and solidifies a lot of your thoughts. A lot of times when I have an idea, for a blog post and i've got kind of here five or six or seven different points that i'd like to hit the process of actually outlining it and putting narrative to it uh facts behind it doing some research for that writing that clarifies my position a lot for me personally and so that's why that's one of the reasons i enjoy writing um i think that writing makes you a better speaker a better communicator in general so um yeah i think that He's just speaking, uh, to the same point that a lot of folks have heard. And that's cool that he's had that experience as well.
0: Yeah, I think you can stretch it beyond a book as well, because when I've outlined like webinar presentations or even outlining do inbound and building a software product, both of those things are kind of the same way where you've got to flesh out thought, put it down in a system, put it in a way that people can soak up, relate to, and learn, um, So really just like anything that you can do to communicate your ideas more effectively is in itself going to help you hone down that process and speak with greater clarity.
3: Yeah, it really does. When you mentioned do inbound, going into that process, Andrew, we had this thought that, hey, your client work should be organized into campaigns. Campaigns are made up of deliverables. Deliverables are made up of tasks. And every task has a step-by-step process or checklist that folks are going to go through and that was like hey here's kind of what we generally like but the process of actually building something of having to put more intentional thought into it having that idea refined by other people in this case you know customers and early adopters were the folks who acted like the editors or the proofreaders giving us feedback on this but that really solidifies is this a good idea or is this not a good idea and so there have been a lot of ideas that have stuck and we've become more passionate about and other ideas that you realize this really isn't the best way to do this after learning more about it and going through that process of going more in depth and cut it out. Um, And the same thing happens in writing. So I think think you're right that it's not just, you don't have to write a book to clarify your ideas. There are a lot of ways to do it. You can be preparing a presentation, writing a simple blog post or a blog series. Sometimes I've had the same experience building out a workflow to launch a new product or something. What's the sales funnel going to look like? And you start to Uncover things that you believed but didn't know that you believed until now. Thank you for listening to Inbound
1: Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.